All right. Welcome back, Better Everyday Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Brad Weems. We're live here from Market Street Media. We are here with our first repeat guest on the Better Everyday Podcast with my friend and training partner, Tyler Minton. Tyler, for those of you that may be listening and don't know you, give our listeners the two to three minute rundown of who you are, uh, what you do, and anything else you might want to share with them. Yeah. Wow. Two minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, tentatively. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I do uh, the nutrition for a lot of uh, a, a large uh, population of UFC athletes, Bellator athletes, and I work with the general population too. Uh, I was a professional former fighter, or a former professional fighter myself, and uh, all while I was going to school to you know for nutrition dietetics, uh, finished a bachelor's degree, and then uh, pers- kept pursuing my own career as, as a professional mixed mar- martial artist. And I took an injury, and during my time off, um, I started helping some other people out with nutrition, and I started getting hired by more and more athletes, and then it started being big names in the UFC, so <laughs> the business kind of took off by accident, and I haven't fought since, but, you know, it's it's I'm, I'm constantly busy helping other people in the sport, so it's it's been real fun. I would think it'd be a little bit easier to talk nutrition with people versus uh, all the training that goes into fighting, getting punched in the face, and... Yeah, the stress on the body. I miss it. I miss fighting, but you know this this allows me to still be in the world and uh, to, to 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 help with issues that I I always saw you know my own issues and other fighters. It allows me to to help from uh, you know I, I have their perspective. I've been there and done that, so I'm not just uh, an outsider coming in telling them what makes sense. It's very much like uh, you see the NFL players; they retire because of the. the the load it is on their body and then they go into commentating yeah yeah so you're still in the business but not going through all the physical demands necessarily yeah and that that helps so much because you know as anyone who, who's tried to follow a diet can tell you you know that there's there's so much psychology with it and when you mix in the need to cut weight the need you know the the, the million other uh psychological roadblocks with fighting you know the the world's best expert in nutrition if they have never been there and done that they're just going to miss the boat they're not going to understand how to apply that so that's a you know an advantage that i have over a lot of people in the in the industry no doubt um we wanted to bring you back on today because we're you know it's january we're uh, right in the middle of new year's resolutions for everybody um i kind of w- i've been looking at your social media uh on instagram and a lot of the this stuff that I'm going to bring up and ask you today come from that Instagram uh, page and just maybe going a little more in depth versus just the, you know, screenshots or slides that you have up. So um, one of the things you had, it says, let's form new habits in 2021 versus uh, forming New Year's resolutions. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So actually, since this was uh, inauguration day, I thought I was coming here to talk politics, but We'll talk about something more offensive and, and talk about nutrition. Um, <laughs> no, uh, seriously though, it's uh, the resol- You know, this is this is the the resolution time, and and you know, I make them too. I mean, I have uh, I, I refuse to call them resolutions because they're they're goals. And I tell people, I'm like, listen, like, I want to lose fifty pounds. Oh, that's great, but that's just a phrase. Like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> tell me, give me a list of the things you want to do. And I did this with a lot of my clients this year. Don't tell me what you want to to achieve this year and, and just leave it there. Don't just say, okay, I want to lose X amount of pounds. Say, hey, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and this is going to let me lose 50 pounds. So 
you know, you you have to look at the, the the habits you have that are blocking that goal and the habits that you need to have to reach that goal, and just focus on those. Don't focus on the, the end game. So instead of okay, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, uh, that's my resolution. Make your resolution. I'm going to go to the gym three, four, five times a week. I'm going to walk 10,000 steps a day. I'm going to eliminate all liquid calories, and I'm going to follow a diet six out of seven days a week. It's very much like the phrase you hear. Resolutions are are like. Uh, goals without a plan are basically just a wish. Yeah. So it's the habits you're talking about to get to the end goal, which is resolutions for some people. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen anyone, you know, like with my own clients and anything, I've never seen anyone have this goal and, and, you know, a, a big weight loss goal and ever reach it without putting more effort into the, the, the process to get there. Right. <laughs> I mean, Losing fifty pounds, if, if if you have a lot of weight to lose, losing weight's easy. People don't don't think it is. Like losing weight is 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 truly like the easiest. This sounds really weird, but the actual weight loss portion is the the easiest part of weight loss. It's all the stuff that comes with it. Calories in versus calories out is weight loss. Okay, so so if it was that simple, everyone right now could be like, okay, I'm just going to eat a little bit less and do a little bit more, and I'm going to lose weight. Everyone would be lean if that was easy. That's not easy. But it's not easy because, you know, our lifestyles and, again, the psychological components and, you know, hormones, uh, recovery. There, there's a million other things that you have to address that's going to make calories in versus calories out a tangible goal. And uh, you just can't do those with uh, without putting in the habits to reach that goal. Um, another kind of hot take that you had on your Instagram, it's, it was talking about the best diet of 2021. <laughs> Let's talk about that one. <laughs> Yeah, so the the one you can you can complete to 2022. Yeah, and, and I know you're getting ready to say carnivore. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> it's the, the the best diet you can maintain for three weeks would be carnivore. So yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. If you if you're taking on some way of of, of eating and and you don't look at this and say, hey, I can't maintain this for a year. It's not going to work. Like it's just not going to work long term. I'm not saying you have to have the the same level of of, of strictness for a year. I'm not saying that, but meaning you, you, you see this, this, this lifestyle, you start following a diet plan. You're like, yeah, these are the kinds of foods I could, I could easily eat for the rest of my life. I could easily, you know, I could easily eat these amounts. I could do this stuff. I'm a big fan of, of weighing and measuring. And I have a lot of my clients do that, but that doesn't mean they need to weigh and measure for the rest of their life or even the, the rest of the year. I don't need them to do that. Uh, you know, all the time. I need them to get used to that so they can start to eyeball a plate and see what a proper serving size looks like. A lot of us have no idea what an actual serving of, of these foods are, uh, you know, and, and what that looks like. So, you know, I, I've never really had someone look at one of my structures, my, my meal plans, and say, like, hey, I, I, I could never maintain this for the rest of my life. Well, you could. Number one, there, there's so much, uh, you know, it's it's not uh, exclusive of food groups. I'm not telling you you can't eat grains. I'm not telling you you can't eat dairy. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't do these things. I'm literally allowing you to do those things. All I'm saying is you just might have to limit them. Um, and, and that's just, that's sustainability is what's going to, 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 to work long term. Uh, that's why I don't like, uh, you know, we do something at the gym, the, the eight week uh we use the word challenge, but it's more of a, 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 you know, a lifestyle change. It's a, it's a eight week, really like installing new habits. We focus on water and, and steps and following a plan and gym attendance, those things that we were talking about that, that create the habits to last long term. 
but these 30 day challenges <laughs> and I've done them before, you know, when I owned a gym, we used to do these 30 day challenges and I just quit doing them cause I hated it. I would hear people talk about, you know, the challenge starts on Saturday. So Friday we're going to go all you can eat pizza. And then by the, by the, the end of the first week, they're already talking about what they're going to do, what they're going to eat on day 31. I'm like, well, that's a failed challenge. It doesn't, you know, you're literally testing someone's ability to, to do something for 30 days. And that doesn't, that doesn't actually mean anything in the long term, you know, in, in terms of success. So really ironic before you and I came downtown uh, here, I had a member freewillingly come up to me and they were talking about, it was one of the, the people from your most recent uh, challenge. And they said, you know, I didn't necessarily put in the work during the last challenge, but I meant to tell you, you know, a lot of the things that Tyler made me aware of during that eight weeks, I'm still applying those today. <laughs> and that's what you want. Ultimately, cool. that goes back to the whole 2021 best diet. Yeah. And, and uh, again, I don't, yeah, and, and I educate people as I go. So I work on like a, you know, like say if you're working with me as a, as a private client, my goal is not <laughs> to have you full time. Like if I don't hear from you, you know, I do weekly check-ins and if I haven't heard from you in a while, I'm not interested in, in just billing you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm constantly like, Hey, what's going on here? You haven't checked in. Does this mean you're, you're out or communicate? Is there a communication gap? Like I just want, I want people to succeed. So I'm constantly educating them as we go. Cause I don't, I don't want them. I don't, I don't want them to need me long-term. If they need me long-term, they're, they're, they're not going to, you know, something happens. Everyone. Uh, you know, I, 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 I quote him a lot, you know, he, he's my best friend and mentor, James Krause, but he told me something when I owned a gym long, you know, probably about six, seven years ago and it hurt my feelings and it took me years to get to the point. Like I, I totally understand that and it's okay. And he said, every, everyone leaves. He said, literally every single person is going to leave you one day. I was like, well, you know, I have some really loyal members. He goes, yeah, but you're going to sell the gym one day. Maybe I ended up selling the gym. He goes, you're going to sell the gym. He said, they're going to have an injury. They're going to move. They're going to pass away. He said, it's absolutely silly and absurd to think that every single member and, and, and to treat it like you're going to have all these members and all these clients, you know, in the nutrition realm for the rest of their life. He goes, and if you do like, you need to restructure the way you're doing things in nutrition, Again, like I don't want someone long term because that means they did, they never learned anything and they couldn't take that on and, and just accomplish that themselves. It, it, it's totally the teaching someone how to fish versus giving them the fish. Yeah, yeah, and and that that's the thing. I, I don't want them to. I don't. I don't want them to, to 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 need me because I want them to go off and be like, hey, this is what I have done with this guy, and tell someone else about it, and then they tell someone, and that person starts with me. And the way I see it, that that just uh, you know creates a. a um, a cycle of people who are going out and, and, and talking good about my business and who are helping other people. I can't tell you how many times I've seen, uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Someone I've worked with and I no longer work with them and they're starting to actually like do nutrition now and helping people with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, some people like it might like offend them or get jealous, but I, I'm, I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, as long as they're doing, as long as they're living by my principle when it comes to coaching and of any kind and right. do no harm. Right. You know, if I see them g putting out good advice, then, then I love that. Yeah. I, know that I was a part of everyone that they're going to reach. You were the Yoda to the Luke Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. I, I like to, uh, you know, I like to think that that just <clears throat> extends, you know, my branch. Yeah. Well, um, to keep moving on, um, let's talk about the importance of self-awareness when it comes to making change. 
Whew, this is where I said it gets more offensive than uh, politics. Uh, you know, self-awareness is, is it's literally the one thing that, that stops most people from getting where they're, they're, they need to be. And uh, I'm you kidding. I don't know the exact, uh, the exact percentages. Um, actually, this isn't improper. I actually want to quote this directly. So yeah, take your time. I'm going to if, find if it's this exact. If it's value to the it. listeners, because I uh, if I if I see a statistic, a, a research statistic, and I enjoy it and I like it, then it's something I always save. Okay, so people underreport calories by 47 percent and overestimate expenditure by 51 percent. So these are people that are actually following that they're going to start a diet. And they start writing things down. They start actually tracking these things. They're literally under-reporting the amount of calories they eat by 47%, which means they're essentially eating 47% more calories than they ever put. And they're overestimating how many calories they burn a day by 51%. I mean, and, and a lot of that just comes from – they're not self-aware. They're, they're, not, they're not understanding the things they're doing. They're, they're, uh, and this comes from like physical, uh, tangible self-awareness, and then we'll get into to subconscious and all that. But they're doing things like spreading the peanut butter on the rice cake and then taking a, a, a bite of peanut butter before they, they put the spoon up. Little things like that, and those calories start to add up. They're adding creamer here and there, not thinking it's a big deal. They're, they're just doing all these little things. They're, they're weighing, and they're weighing a, a gram or two over on every single thing. These, these little things that that by the end of the day have accounted for several hundred extra calories or they're, you know, let's say in, in the CrossFit room, they're a CrossFitter. They're coming into the gym four days a week. <laughs> you know, the CrossFit workouts are, are intense, but I mean, what portion of the hour they're there is actually intense 10, 15, 20 minutes, which is great. I mean, that, that's ideal. And then they go home and they're sitting. So it's like in the grand scheme of the amount of calories you burn that day, that's not that that's uh, that's not a lot. That's why I'm such a big fan of the hit ten thousand steps a day. I don't care what else you're doing. Ten thousand steps a day on top of everything else you're doing, even on your rest days, because that's ensuring you're actually getting those calories going all day. But if you're someone who's going to the gym, you're you're working hard, and and I, I see it, and I'm not talking, you know, I'm not talking down on this, but I see them posting a picture of their watch or something, how many calories they burn. I'm like, in the grand scheme, that's not uh, <laughs> that doesn't uh, that doesn't equate to much if you're not burning those calories throughout the day. Um, and, and that, that becomes the, the, the physical self-awareness and then just the, the mental aspect, um, self-awareness, people just don't know. They, I'm trying to think how to, how to tiptoe around a bit. Some people just don't actually know. They have unrealistic expectations of themselves or unrealistic expectations of what they're doing. <laughs> you know, I, when I owned a gym and I'm, I would have people come in and be like, Hey, I want to be a CrossFit games champion. I'm like, okay, so let's sit down and discuss this. And uh, do you do you want my input? You know, I can think of two specific times this happened. And by the end of five minutes, uh, you know, I felt a little bad because I pretty much just told him it can't happen. But it wasn't that. It was just because we talked about the habits that it would take, you know, to get to that point. And it just wasn't habits they were ever able, going to be able to do. And And to do that, it would mean – creating relationship damage. I mean, creating business, you know, like, like, like hurting their business, hurting their personal life, all these other things. It's just not worth it. And they just had an unrealistic goal. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us have that. I talk a lot about performance versus looks. I get people, you know, all the time that they're, they're, they're focusing on, they, they want one, but they're focusing on the other. They're, they're more focused about their time on a workout or their this. And I, you need to focus on that. 
but their goal is all looks based. Michael, sometimes you're going to underperform if the goal is looks. That, that's okay. It's not a big deal. Don't get hung up about that. Or they're, they have a performance-based goal, and they're weighing every single day, and they're freaking out what the scale says. <laughs> you know, I'm, um, it just doesn't, it doesn't equal out. Like if your performance is getting better and the scale says you gained weight, who freaking cares? You know, uh, I've been talking about this a lot lately because it, I get asked it a lot. It's like, well, why is, why is Daniel Cormier a big guy? Like, why doesn't he have abs or why does he have a belly? Like, who cares? He's, he's worth tens of millions of dollars. Like, does it matter? I mean, and he's done that with the body he has. He's a high performing athlete at heavyweight and light heavyweight (laughs) with that body. So, so why does it matter? If he was getting paid that kind of money to be a swimsuit model, well, then we would worry about how he looks. Right. And that's the that's the self awareness people just lack, and they 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 sometimes have a uh, they just they they just they think they're doing more than they actually are, and then they have just unrealistic goals. And and you know, I, I believe the the shoot for the what is it shoot for the stars or whatever. <laughs> I get that, but you still need to be realistic and set those small goals and and, and tangible goals. Because the biggest shot to someone's ego is to just set goals that you never get. I remember, you know, like like in talking with with other coaches and stuff. One thing coaches will do during a fight camp it's a it's a really good strategy. A lot of coaches do. If you have a fighter who say they're cutting weight and doing all this stuff and they're sparring for you know they have eight, ten, twelve weeks camp. Well, by the end of the camp, they're they're a little depleted. They're starting to feel a little funky. You don't throw them in there with you know, your three best guys who are just fresh because they're going to get their butt kicked often and, you know, they have to fight the next week and they just go into fight week mentally just destroyed. Mm -hmm. So what a good coach often does is they manage their rounds where they might have a tough guy than two or three easy guys or, or they, they, you know, they pick a training partner who they know is going to just kind of pick them up a little bit and, and, you know, they just give them that, that emotional edge so they can, they can hit that, you know, going into fight week knowing that they just had a really good week before that. Um, yeah, so I mean, I just think setting, like having reasonable, tangible goals is going to do a lot more than these people who just have crazy goals. They're just not going to do what it takes to get there. And, and, and to extend this, I know I'm talking about this in a lot, but it's just a huge, huge thing. A lot of times I think people, they also don't have a realistic look of roadblocks. Like they don't have an, they don't have a realistic, uh, like like they they're they're the things that they're saying their excuses they're making aren't really things like they're not really there it's like well i've i've got this you know i do have kids i'm like okay like everyone like almost every fit person you know has kids almost every high performing athlete has kids i totally understand that they also have nannies and they have this and that but i'm also telling you you don't have to reach their level i'm just saying be better than you are um, you know, like we, we start to think of all these, the, these excuses we have, you know, I have a really busy job. It, it's really hard for me to eat healthy, but is it impossible for you to eat healthy? Or is it hard for you to eat healthy? Like people just start thinking of all these, these, these things that are going to keep them from their goal. And it's like, it's that, that's silly. It's just not true. I mean, it, it's, it's, and then we haven't even discussed genetics, but we want to open that. Can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, genetics do play a factor. They play a very, they, 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 they play a very small factor in certain things, but genetics might play a factor in and why your lower two abs don't stick out, but they don't play a factor in why you can't be lean. I mean, that that's, that it's just people put way too much on genetics and it's just not true there. Uh, you know, the, if you've, if you've eaten like garbage for 20 years and now you're, you're well, 
say 30 years, you're 30 years old. And now you're like, well, I look this way because I just have really bad genetics. I'm like, no, like it, that, that, that's not, you can't blame your parents for that. Like you, you, I promise you my, my, my genetics aren't very good at all. And growing up, I was a very overweight kid, but then at some point I was able to control the narrative. I was the one who was in control of how many times a day I worked out. I was the one in control of the food that I ate, the, the, the habits I, I chose. So now by that definition, I, I, I look like someone who someone might think has really good genetics and I don't, I just put in the work. Yeah. I, I hate the genetic argument. <laughs> I shouldn't open that can of worms. No. So, um, I do want to get a listener question real quick before we move on. Um, we, we had someone ask, how does creatine work? I know creatine is your favorite supplement of all time. Uh, they also want to know when is the best time to take it and why do you recommend, what do you recommend for soreness? Yeah. I mean, it increases ATP energy and, and I mean, what this does, creatine actually makes your muscles work stronger and longer. I mean, it, it's, it seems like one of those too good to be true things, but it really isn't. Now there are some people who don't respond well to it. I'm fortunate and I am a like really, really good creatine responder. The difference when I'm taking it and not is, is significant. And I can tell a difference in my, my muscular endurance and, and, uh, my strength. Um, not everyone is, is as sensitive to it though. So, so you just have to see for yourself and consistently take it. The, most of the studies that have shown positive results are going to be at five a day, um, five grams a day. And with that, uh, women can get by with two to three, but you don't have to load loading will you know, help it. You'll see that they all, they all say you can load, you can do extra for X amount of days. And for the listener, what does loading mean? Just doing a lot more creatine for the first week or two, or they all different brands have different recommendations. And this just like really saturates it. <laughs> it really gets it in there. You don't have to do that though. You can just take your time with it and do five a day, but you really just need to do, uh, you know, two to five a day every day, uh, the same time every day. It doesn't matter. I, uh, there for the longest time, I was forgetting to do it um, after workout. I do it after workout now just because, again, it's easy for me then. But used to, for some reason, I just kept forgetting it. So I just started doing it in the morning and mixing it with my coffee. I just kept it next to my coffee. That way I did it every day. There's no, you don't have to do it at a specific time. Just do it the same time every day. Cool. So um, what do you recommend for soreness? Is it, I mean, will creatine help with soreness? Yeah, yeah. But ultimately... <laughs> Ultimately, you there. There's a lot of different things that can cause soreness. Is it if it's just a, like like constant DOMS delayed onset muscle soreness? If it's just constantly happening and it's not, you know, like first you have to look at well, am I just do I have terrible form? I mean, if you have terrible form in a movement and your shoulders hurting, you know, I, I, that's not muscle best, breakdown. Yeah, yeah, Here. that's not muscle breakdown. That's just you shouldn't be doing kipping pull ups or something like it. You you should step back from this movement for a little bit and and then determine what you could do to improve that. <laughs> but if we're just talking about you just constantly seem to feel like you have sore muscles, it's a nutrition thing. Um, if you're not eating healthy, eat healthy. I mean, if, if, if you're eating a lot of inflammatory processed foods, um, sugars and things like this, and let's dial back your, your inflammatory foods. If you are eating healthy, which I see so severe soreness issues in people that are eating extremely healthy because they're overdoing it. They're, they've cut their carbs really, really low. And they need to up those carbs. So it just depends. If you're not, if you're eating a lot of inflammatory foods, cut those out. If you're eating healthy, the you're probably just not eating enough protein um, or carbohydrates, and probably both. Cool, cool. Jen, thanks for the question, listeners. Uh, 
I'm going to go back to a pre-scripted list that I had, but feel free to keep shooting them over, and I'll interject them if they come through. Uh, Tyler, uh, you had a post I was really intrigued about a while back. I know you always preach calories in versus calories out when it comes to weight loss, but you had one post that said how not eating enough could actually be hindering you from losing weight. Can we elaborate a little more on that? Yeah, it all still will go back to calories in versus calories out, and 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 this is one thing I've I vowed. This was one of my 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 resolutions for twenty twenty one was to not talk so much purely about calories in versus calories out, like at the base level, but talk about the things that might make that hard. Because no matter what, you cannot it, it's you can argue it, but not intelligently. You cannot argue calories in versus calories out. It always drives back to that. But there's a million things that make that harder to achieve. And if you're someone who's been extreme dieting for a long time and you've just been at this calorie deficit for so long, a lot of times what's happened is they've destroyed their metabolism. So they, they their metabolism is down. We wouldn't say destroyed. They've down-regulated it. So now they're burning less calories than they should per day. <laughs> so at the deficit that was working, it's no longer working because if this is calories in and this is calories out – if you keep your calories in so low for so long a time, your calories out start doing this, even if you're doing the same amount of work because your metabolism's just just not what it used to be. So then to achieve the same the same results, you got to keep driving those calories down. And that's just that that's horrible for you and it doesn't work. I mean, you have to eat enough food to, to, to survive. So what you generally have to do is bring those calories in back up. Yes, you're going to gain some weight, but eventually what you're going to do if we keep adding calories you're going to find this 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 range that you just kind of float at, and what's that? The the whole goal of that is to 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 set a new level of what that 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 deficit could be. So again, I, I hate to do little models like this, but if we have calories out and calories in, and they look like this, and we've stayed here for so long, this starts going down. Well, now we raise this, and this is going to happen, but then eventually this starts happening again, and then once we see that, then we can get a lot better weight loss with much less deficits. You're going to be a lot healthier in the long run. Um, so that's just one of those things. It still goes back to calories in versus calories out. But if, if you've been doing that, you've done some things to, to, to negatively impact your ability to reach the, the, the caloric output you should be. So you've worked with uh, roughly 50 members at the gym now. And, wow. um, you know, I would say I have uh, a knowledge base of nutrition maybe better than 85, 90% of the population. But, when you give him a nutri- nutrition plan, and this is the one thing I hear from all the members as well, is it was almost too much food. It felt like like it it was just, it was. I remember texting you and asking, "Do I have to eat all this?" Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's been the consensus with this most recent group. But what I was going to say is like, so many people think that when I start working with Tyler, it's going to be a piece of chicken, uh, four sticks of celery, and six almonds, but. Uh, let's just talk about like, I think you had me at 23, 2400 calories. Like, how does it make sense that someone could feel so full and almost feel like they're eating so much, but then still have amazing results from it? Because the, 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 the food volume is not always related to, you know, the, the, the calorie content of the food. You know, if I, if I weigh a Snickers bar or I weigh potatoes, I mean, the potatoes are going to have more volume and much less calories than that Snickers bar. And a lot of that is just the the psychology of it. You're eating so much food, so it starts to freak you out a little bit. <laughs> but I actually like to hear people saying that. They're like, oh, man, I can't eat this much. I'm like, all right, well, let's eat a little bit of all of it. Let's let's do our best, or at least let's hit our protein. 
let's do the protein. Then if you can't get all the carbs, no big deal. But that just shows me that we're kind of rewiring the way they think. And that's one reason I, I do do it that way. I choose very high volume, low calorie foods because I want to retrain their, their minds to, to understand that like what, like what full feels like because these, these hyper palatable foods that taste great and are low volume are designed to make us to, to, to not make us full. So we want more and then we eat more and that's how we end up overeating so easily. So a lot of people never really feel what full feels like, you know, they, they don't know what full feels like because they're, they're eating these highly palatable, highly processed foods. And they just they just keep eating more. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Have you ever let's try to eat a, a 20 ounce steak or a, a a bag of a bag of chips? You know, the 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 steak is going to fill you up a lot more. Those chips, if you wanted to, you're just going to keep eating them. You're never really going to feel full. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's just again that goes with the the volume versus calorie density. And um, I, I I love that because you really can't eat a lot of food if it's the right kinds of food. You should, if, if you have a diet that you're, I mean, if even feeling hungry on a diet is okay. I mean, that, that, that's actually a lot of times your body just signaling that your metabolism is working in a, in a good direction, but you should just not be, if you're, if you're looking at your plate and it's just this crazy small portions, it's, you're, you're probably way underdoing it. You're probably, or way overdoing it, way under eating. Gotcha. So, so I feel like. The word protein has this stigma attached to it that you you think like um, bodybuilder meathead, you know, uh, I feel like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the protein shake aspect or what, but why should the 40-year-old the sedentary individual at home worry about their protein intake? Yeah, it's that, that goes back to the whole, you know, we see it all the time, like, like, like well, I don't want to be bulky. I'm like, okay. Like, I promise you, if I can make one little thing and all of a sudden make you bulky, I would constantly do that thing for every guy because every guy wants that. You'd the, be a multi-millionaire. Thing, yes. The, everything that, 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 you know, that a lot of the women clients that start with me and some of their goals, like, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to put on a lot of muscle. I don't want to do this. I'm like, I, you know, I respect, I totally understand that. But if it was that easy, like every guy would achieve that and look around you. Every guy does not look like that. Even if they wanted to, if it was just a, a simple one macro change, you know, we'd all look like Arnold. Um, but it's just not. So protein, and it actually becomes more important as you age. And and I wouldn't say, uh, you know, I, I would say that that is the biggest thing that I see lacking um, really in everyone's diet, uh, most people's. <laughs> but women, most of my female clients, that's the one single biggest change that I make and older clients. Um Protein, it, it, the, the the thermic effect of protein, meaning how many calories it actually takes to burn protein, is exponentially higher than carbohydrates and fat. So it is one of those things. Usually, it's BS. Anytime you hear something like, "Hey, this is a fat burning food," this eating this is going to make you, you know, eating. I've heard celery called a fat burning food because it takes more calories than, or it's negative calories. Is what they'll say, it takes more calories to burn. Most of that stuff's garbage. Or they say this is a, a metabolism burning uh, supplement. It's not true. But eating protein literally is going to ramp up your metabolism because it does require more of a metabolic response than eating carbohydrates and fat. So it's that it becomes that thing that that a calorie deficit is is enough to lose weight. But making sure that you're eating a calorie deficit with adequate levels of protein, it's going to again, it's going to increase that calorie output. It's going to help bump that up, which is really our goal. 
and it's increasing your calorie output without you actually having to work to increase it. There's a, there's a thing called protein sweats that people who have ate a, a really low protein diet for a long time, they start eating protein and they notice like they're sweating in the middle of the night. And so literally because that, that I mean, it, it's raising the temperature, it's doing these things because your, your body has to do a lot to burn it. And uh, again, it, it, it plays a large role in increasing muscle density. If you're a female, increasing muscle density is a very, very important thing for you because that inherently and also will increase bone density, which is something that, that you know, is is a prize that you don't even know you're after, but you should be. So, so two things right there. First one, you're telling me I could eat 300 calories worth of protein and through digestion of protein, it would only account for maybe what, 240? Um, I have to pull my calculator. I mean, but, but just, yeah, just yeah, in but general. That's my point. Yeah, that, that, that's the point. That's the bang of the bug. You're, Whereas if I eat Doritos, uh, uh-uh. Exactly. Exactly. So eating protein, you're literally, you're, you're literally burning more calories by eating protein than you are eating carbohydrates or fat. Gotcha. So it's just it's a it's a very low hanging fruit for for increasing your your calorie output. And what's the statistic? What at the age of forty we lose one percent lean muscle tissue a year? Is that correct? I believe it is one so, so, something like that. And you can basically sustain that by working out what two to three times a week strength training. Yes, yes, and that is I would say that statistic is going to be with the the average common person who maybe like didn't have a, a lot to begin with and all that. So yeah, and, and protein's only going to help with that. Yeah. And the prevention of losing <laughs> lean muscle tissue. Yeah. I mean, it, which is, again, ultimately what everyone, it, it's it, it's going to lead to everything people want and don't even always know they want. Like it's going to, the, the lean look, the, the the people think bulky, but no, like this is going to help you look lean. It's, it's, you know, almost everyone who wants to lose weight, it's not even the fact that they want to lose weight, it's that they want to look lean. Mm-hmm. And that's going to get you there. Yeah. You, you look at someone and you're not like, hey, I bet you weigh 206 pounds you look at someone like oh man your arms look good you're lean you're showing abs you know ultimately the scale is our barometer for seeing success when it comes to anatomical change but yeah. it is what we look like that really matters yeah it's just a data point and, and you know, there's there some people they, they generally might have that goal but you know for me if I, if I if i could just snap my fingers and magically look one way i'm going to look a lot more like the rock than i am steve prefontaine or some famous long distance runner who's only had to focus on performance to get there. And, and, you know, the aesthetics aren't something that someone like that's considering, you know? Right. Um, you know, so, so it goes like, back to that, that, uh, meme or picture you see forever ago, the body of like a sprinter in the Olympics versus like an endurance athlete. Yeah. 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 It's just, what's your goal? If it's an aesthetic goal, if it's an aesthetic goal, the person you want to look like probably weighs more than you think because mm-hmm. they have some good muscle mass. Yeah. With women, that's a trick I, I've done many, many times. I would say, okay, like pick someone, you know, give me, give me an actress or or a model or a, a CrossFitter that has a body that that that's reasonable. You know, if if someone if you're five foot two, don't tell me someone who's five foot eight. Find someone around your same height and so like this, and who you think looks great, and tell me how much you think they weigh, and they always say. Oh, just say like maybe 120 might now they're like 150 you can look up these people's weights and they always weigh so much more than a lot of these young ladies think because they just see they see that they're lean and trim and and they think that that just means that they're they're also light and that's just not the truth is that the whole muscle weighs more than fat yeah i mean yeah. It, it really it, it, it's one of those things that is that, that a true statement or is that I mean, uh, if you think about it, a pound, of, the, the one thing too, I've, I've asked people what, what, what weighs more, a pound of fat or a pound of muscle, uh, both a pound, pound. <laughs> uh, but yes, because it is going to be more dense and, and, and you gotta think that muscle holds water, fat doesn't, 
So like, uh, you know, you're talking about if you, if you have X, X surface area of muscle versus X surface area of, uh, of fat, then, then yeah. Uh, listeners, uh, Google five pounds of fat versus five pounds of muscle. There's these, these pictures that will yeah. pop up and show you the it's pretty wild stuff. I used to have the models too, Did like you? actually models of them. Uh, that's all I had for you as far as nutrition questions. Is there anything you want to talk about that I missed out on? Um, man, I, I, I could, I could talk about a million things, but I do think, again, I know anytime I even say politics, everyone, like, like I can see you, you all cringing. Um, but, but no, I, I, I do. I love, I love election years and stuff. I genuinely do because it brings out, um, it, it brings out strengths and weaknesses. It really does in, in the mindset. I'm not going to talk about who I wanted to win, who I wanted to lose. It ultimately, you know, like I had, I, I, I dislike most of them, but I can find something I like in all of them. But I do, I tell people constantly, like the mindset you need to have is that no matter what, no matter what possibly happens, you're not going to let it bother you. And I understand that, that, that if, if, if you feel like one's going to oppress you for, for one reason or another, <laughs> I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about that anytime you see an election year, one party is 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 going to swear that the other party, and it doesn't matter, they both do this, is just going to crush the economy. Everyone's going to be, you know, killing each other for work and this and that. And you just see this horrible mindset of, well, they're so and so is going to do this, so and so. I'm like, what do you? It's just such a loser mindset. It really is. And I don't. I'm not saying you're a loser. I'm saying you have the uh, uh, the mindset that creates loss. Um, I was having a, a talk with, uh, you know, it is a, fr- a good friend of mine the other day who, who was very adamant that they're afraid they're, they're anti-immigration and not, not illegal immigration. They're anti-legal immigration. And what this person told me <laughs> was, hang on, I promise this doesn't hurt. It's nothing. They, uh, what this person told me was like, well, I don't want legal immigrants either because I don't want them to come in and, and take jobs that should be, that should be my job and this and that. And I'm like, do, do you listen to what you just said? As a grown man, you are admitting that there is someone out there who can come in and take your job from you. Meaning you are admitting that there is a human being out there who you think can outwork you. I'm like, I would never, as a man, I would never admit that. And I can't admit that because I said this years ago in, in an interview before a fight and it's the one lesson we, you know, I put it in a, you know, we have a, a baby book for Ronan uh-huh. and I put this in there cause it's the one quote and the one belief system I want to pass on to my boys. And it's that I will always be the hardest worker in the room and I will always surround myself with people who refuse to let me be like, I want, if there's a group of, of 20 people out there, immigrant, I don't care, legal, illegal. I don't care who these people are. If there's a group of 20 people out there who could possibly outwork me, I want to be in the same room as them. Because that's going to make me try to outwork them. Mm-hmm. Like I, and, and that mindset, it's not even a political statement. It's just if that is your biggest fear, if your biggest fear is of any genre or classification of people coming in and actually outworking you, you really have to look in the mirror. And, and, and first, you need to uppercut yourself. But then you need to look <laughs> at the mirror and, and start challenging yourself. I mean, that's just such a – again, it's, it's just a loser mindset. And, you, you know, if you've ever – a lot of people have read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's a great book. It really is. <laughs> And he talks about rich dad telling him, you know, like the poor work for money, the rich make their money work for them. And, and, and it's just the truth. I mean, that, that really is the truth. And I'm not rich by any means, but I have no tolerance for someone who's going to talk about 
you know, like not having, have not having the choice of things. I mean, my story, I literally had $2,000 to my name to that. Like, and that is combining everything I had, at, I guess, age 22 or age 23. I only had $2,000 and I took that $2,000. I went and bought a bunch of gym equipment used. Actually, it wasn't a bunch. I say a bunch. It was like two squat racks. Um, I bought used gym equipment. I filled basketballs with sand and duct taped them. I had literally homemade welded kettlebells, um, ropes, chains, and I didn't even have money for rent. But then I went and found a place that happened to be, I think it was like $2,500 a month rent. I didn't have $2,500. So I just spent it all on that. But I just I'm like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay rent first month. I'm not saying this is the best business decision. But I said, no, I'm just going to get enough members. I just had that faith. So I go out, I create a gym by first month. I already had enough to pay rent, but I also knew that, well, now I don't have a place to live because I was also going to be out on my own at that month. So by month two of the gym, I was like, you know, this place has an attic. It's not the ideal living situation, but I'm going to do it. So I literally moved into the upstairs of my gym. I had no heat, no air, no windows. And I lived there for two years. Um, every dime the gym made, and again, this is a $2,000 facility. Every dime the gym made, I put back into the gym. I bought more equipment and more things and just kept doing that. Well, I was the only money I had that I was living off of was the money I was making from fights as a professional fighter. And anyone who knows how much money a professional fighter at the new level makes, I mean, it's a couple grand to fight maybe, and you only fight a few times a year. And Friday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was bouncing. So I was literally going to a club and bouncing from like nine or 10 to, to three o'clock in the morning. Um, after I had already worked from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. at my gym. And then I went and trained MMA from 530 to eight every night. So, I mean, I was doing all this just to just to survive. And eventually I was able to sell the gym, make a really good profit. Then I reinvested all that money. And it's it's well, just one of these. I don't it, know if you listened to Tim's podcast last week. But it was good. Iron sharpens iron. Yep. Anybody that wants to work hard, why would you not want to work, be around people that also want to work hard? Exactly. You know, it, you can't be scared of individuals that uh, could possibly outwork you. Put yourself around them. Everybody gets better. Yes. And, 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 and like going back and like talking about your story and like, uh, you know, getting this gym going and whatnot. The one thing I look back and think to myself is you knew I was going to be a competitor and you still would let me come over and work out at your place. Oh yeah. I didn't care. And, and, and honestly, um, you know, just, just to be point blank with you because I did, I didn't worry about it. Like I didn't. Yeah. I remember when other, we were the first and I remember when all these other gyms started coming to town, they had nicer equipment and, and, and just all this stuff, they put money towards branding and I didn't have any of that. I had members like, well, are you worried? I'm like, well, no, they're not going to outwork me. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, and if they did great, cause then I'm just going to work harder. But, but I no offense, think, I think the same thing to myself. Exactly. He's not going to outwork me, but look, here we are. And everyone friends. succeeds. Yep. That, that's the, that's the way to do it. You don't have to have a Walgreens doesn't care if CVS comes across the road. I mean, like, like Burger King doesn't care if a McDonald's goes across cause they have their customers. McDonald's has their customers and they're doing everything that they're all doing everything they should do. And it's just that, that mentality of, of like, well, I just, this person's going to come in and take this from like, like, don't let them like, what are you like? It's just not, it's, it's maybe I'm not looking at it wrong, but I or not looking at it correctly, but I just do not have it in my system to think that anyone can come out, come in and, and take my job. And if they do, I'm going to find, I'm going to 
take that same work ethic and, and apply that to something else and go take someone else's job. It's, it's just the, the mindset that I think that we get into every election year. We start, start thinking about all the negatives and stuff. And, you know, it depends on who you talk to, but, but someone tells you it's the end of the world every single election year. If you took everyone's word for it, every four years, we're all dying. Um, so number one, just block those people out of your life. And then it's just, it's, it just brings out the, the, these mindsets that I just, I just can't, uh, I can't relate to. And again, iron sharpens iron. You have to surround yourself with other people. You know, like none of, none of my f- like highly financial, high, financially successful friends, my investors, my, my millionaire clients, my millionaire friends, all self-made. None of these people are worried whatsoever. Like they, they don't care. They, they didn't care who won. I mean, they might have had a preference, but they didn't think that one was going to leave them homeless over the other. And again, these are self-made millionaires. So people can't say like, well, yeah, it's easy for them. Like, no, it's because they've already figured out the combination and they've figured out the ethic, the work ethic that it takes to reach that level. And they know that no matter what, they're going to keep applying that and keep reaching that level. And that's just, that's just the mindset you have to have no matter what. I don't care if you're, I don't care what, what, what job you have, what occupation you have. Like if, if that single job, that single skill defines you, okay, we'll use the work ethic that it took to, to find that skill, apply it to another skill and, and, and go from there. I mean, it's just ultimately you can't worry about what you can't control. So you have to double down on the things you can't control and what makes you happy. So every, every bad situation, I don't want to go, I don't know how much time we have, but (laughs) every bad situation that ever happened in my life led to the best things that have ever happened in my life. I've been divorced. Divorce, anyone who's been to a divorce, divorce sucks. And you know what I do now? Anytime I, I, I have a friend who's getting divorced, I'm like, oh, congrats. I'm like, whoa, like, what are you like? That's not what they expect. <laughs> I've literally had crying friends talk to me about it. And I've told them that congratulations. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you congratulating me? I'm like everyone deserves to be with someone that makes them happy. I'm like, you weren't making them happy. And if you weren't making them happy, you can't be happy. I said, so they just helped you out. They literally put you on a path to where you can go find someone that makes you happy. Like they weren't the right ones for you. Now they've made a decision that allows you to find the right person. Congratulations. They made it easy for you. I didn't look at it that way when it happened to me, but then because of my divorce and and we, you know, we just weren't right for each other. There, there's no, well, whose fault was it? It was no one's fault. We just weren't right. So then I was able to go find the person who is right for me. And now I have beautiful kids and, and you know, the, a life that I never imagined because that really bad thing allowed me to go find this really good thing for, you know, not, not bad person, good person, something like this really bad situation allowed me to get into a situation that was better for me. And, uh, I just refuse to look at any negative situation, um, any differently, every negative situation, I promise you, I'm going to find a way to spin it to where I know that it's going to lead to the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm always a believer. Adversity brings out the best in people. And then I also wonder, uh, if Layton would have let this conversation take place for this long, had you not been able to knock him out at any second. So, um, but a little <laughs> controversial for Layton's market street media show, but, um, no, Layton says we're all good. So. I cannot bring you on without talking a little bit of UFC. Obviously, a huge weekend this weekend. We've got Conor McGregor back in the octagon. It's been a year. Last time we saw him, 40-second fight. What are your thoughts on this weekend? I think Conor wins. Just You can't bet against Conor. Like, even – you just the only, per, the only time I say you can't – even with Khabib, like, I told everyone, I'm like, like 
every every inch of me says Khabib's going to win. But if you're a, if you're a better, like Connor's still a smart bet because you just don't know what he's going to do. Uh, I think this is going to be really. I've I've said this for years. Then Ariel Hawani said it, so Ariel's a lot cooler than me, so I won't get any credit for it. But I think Connor McGregor is the most underrated fighter in the UFC when it comes to skill. Like what in the world? Like how is he underrated? He's overrated. You know, in fans' eyes, he's overrated because of the media hype and this and that. But people don't truly appreciate how skilled he actually is. And if anything, go watch the Khabib fight. Khabib is, is in my opinion, the greatest fighter to 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 ever to ever live to ever fight. I think Khabib is is just remarkable. I think he's the greatest of all time. I think it's going to be hard for anyone else to ever steal that from him. And considering that, to watch him take Connor down and Connor get back up. It just raised my my respect for Conor McGregor's skill level so much because I did not I didn't expect that. Um, uh, I, I just I see Conor winning. Uh, I think Poirier's and, and what what's crazy is I think Dustin Poirier's amazing. I think Dustin Poirier's one of the greatest fighters of all time. But Conor's just Conor, and and all signs point to that that this is the best Conor we've ever seen, and that's coming from, you know, I know his coach, I know John Cavanaugh, I know his training partners, I know his his nutritionist, uh, Tristan Kennedy, and I just know the effort that's gone into this camp, and, you know, all all signs point to that this is the best Conor McGregor anyone's ever seen. We can't uh, close down the show without talking about Max Holloway last weekend, uh, your client. Um, for those of you all that don't know, he set a brand new UFC record for the most significant strikes, which was previously held by himself. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he did it like in the fourth round. Yeah. It was unreal. So I, I, I worked with Max, uh, for many, many fights, uh, for, for, for several years. So, um, now I don't have the, the, the fight week capacity with him. You know, I don't, I don't work in that capacity, but, uh, he's he, Max is one of my best friends. And as one of my best friends, he, even, I don't, I think he's, I think again, I think he's one of the greatest of all time. And I, Matt, Khabib Nurmagomedov said he thinks Max will end up becoming the, the greatest of all time. He thinks Max has that in him. Wow. And uh, yeah, that that's amazing. So uh, that's almost like Michael Jordan saying, you know what? I think LeBron might be better. Like that's, that's, that would be crazy. Of, yeah. And, uh, I, I'm, I have a horrible bias when it comes to Max. Like, don't ever ask me who you think, who I, who, you know, like, who do you think is going to win? Or, or if, if there's a close fight, if Max is in a close fight, I'm going to say Max. I just, I cannot separate myself from that bias, but even I'm constantly surprised by what this dude does. It's, it's mind blowing to me to watch him go out there and and the things he does, he does everything, every, the things he does is done perfectly, but no coach is going to coach you to do those things. Like only Max Holloway can get up, can get by with some of those things. And, And he's just developed this, this crazy unique style that mixed with the untangibles, mixed with mixed with uh, the the attributes that you can't learn, the the toughness, the heart, the the just the love for the love for fighting, mixed with those things, just creates this this animal. I mean, it, it's unreal watching him fight. And as a person, he's literally one of the best humans you will ever meet. And then you see him out there, like 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 pointing to the ground and, Swagger, and just yeah. going crazy, like letting this guy punch him, you know. And and you sit there and think, well, I. What do like? Like, why would he do that? Like, is he is it is it a cockiness or is it? No, honestly, I think he was bored. Like, I genuinely think he was bored, and he just wanted to add a little bit of adversity and hoping that it pulled things up. That's a that's a crazy crazy human being. <laughs> I mean, it really is. And um, and Max is everything. Max is everything that you want in the sport. 
I mean, he really is. You want, you know, fighting is a weird sport anyway. Like a lot of parents are going to hesitate to ever tell their kid, go watch fighting. Um, especially, you know, especially cause you want them to have good role models. You want to have like Max is the one that you would be very proud of your, your, your son or daughter following. Like you would be very proud of them looking up to and, and, and achieving that. So he just ticks every box for, for really every fan. If you're solely a fight fan, you love the blood, you love the violence. Max is your guy. If, if you want a fighter who has a good attitude and who, who is a good ambassador for the sport and is a, and is a good sport, even when he does lose the, the few times he loses, Max is your guy. If you're a parent who just wants a good role model and you want someone that your kids can aspire to be, Max is your guy. I mean, he's just, he, 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 he is the, the, the fans fighter. Love it, dude. Well, uh, thanks for coming back on and reaching out and being willing to help people talk, our. Uh, uh, with New Year's resolutions and the nutrition rush that is January. So, uh, any closing statements? No, I mean, follow, follow me on Instagram. It's a shameless plug, but yep. I put tons of information. And uh, I had, uh, this is like my th- second or third person uh, who just reached out to me and said that they've lost 100 pounds in a year just following my Instagram. They're not clients. I'd never met them before, never talked to them. They literally just follow the things that I put on Instagram. They've lost 100 pounds in 2020. Um, three people. Do you want to plug your Venmo account then? <laughs> nah. Um, so they, uh, you know, I, I, I literally put out information on my Instagram with the goal. Some of it's funny um, and some of it's really cute kids. But really the goal of my Instagram is, hey, what information can I provide that I know if people never pay me a dime and all they do is click that follow button, they're going to get results because I actually care about the industry and I care about people's future. I, I care about these things. And the only, the, the best way to show how much you care is to just make it available for everyone. It's the so, whole Gary V mindset. Yeah, it really so, is. So that is uh, at Tyler Mitten nutrition on Instagram. He, I know that's his social media uh, outlet of choice. So be sure and add, add him on there. Tyler, once again, thanks for coming on. I'm sure we'll have you back on down the road. So, until then, uh, better everyday listener, uh, better everyday listeners. We'll see you next week.